Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Romans, chapter number 8. The book of Romans, chapter number 8. Writing of the Apostle Paul, we're going to begin reading with verse number 26. Romans chapter 8, began reading with verse number 26. Paul writes and he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Father, I thank you for this incredible Incredible passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for the incredible book of Romans. What a blessing that it is. God, I just pray today, Father, that your anointing, Lord, will continue to rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Father, give us a word in due season for your people. God, I pray, Lord, that your anointing will also rest upon the ears of the hearer today. God, may they hear, Father. May you speak, Lord, directly into their hearts today. Father, may we not just hear the word, but may we also heed the word, put into practice every day what we have learned and gleaned from your word. All of these things we ask in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today we're going to continue our series I'm calling Roaming Through Romans. To roam means to stroll through a large area. And that's my intent in these weeks of, of uh, roaming through Romans. My intention is to stroll through the book of Romans. My intention is to highlight some of its incredible, incredible teachings. Last Sunday we began this series and we stopped off in chapter 3. 
See, actually, after you get past Paul's introduction in chapter 1, the first eight and a half chapters of Romans have to deal with the same subject. The subject that we talked about and covered last Sunday, which was salvation by grace through faith. So today we're going to stop off in chapter number 8, and our text begins in verse number 26. And in these verses that we have just read, there are three things that I want to highlight. There are three things that I want to shine a spotlight on today that we can find in this passage. The first thing I want us to understand this morning is, and that is, we have help. Turn to your neighbor and say, we have help. One of the reasons that some Christians have trouble living out their, uh, their faith is they try to do everything on their own. Uh, They try to do everything in their own strength and within their own power. What we need to understand is we have help. We're not in this thing all by ourselves. We have help. I think that we have spent so much time talking about us working for God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in this message this morning as well. But I believe that we have talked so much about our working for God that we have neglected to teach and to preach the fact that God is working for us. Yes, we should be working for God, but be encouraged today, God is working for us. Think about that for a moment, that God is at work for us. We read it in verse number 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't have to work alone. We have help. Notice three things right here this morning. We're going to talk about these three things for just a moment this morning. First of all, I want you to understand that God is working for us. God is working for us. Verse 26 again, and the Holy Spirit helps us. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, he was talking to Peter, and Jesus said to Peter, he said, Hey, hey, Pete, do you not understand that the devil wants to try you and sift you as wheat? Jesus said to Peter, Hey, the devil has your your number. You're on this hit list. You're in the top ten. He's out after you. Jesus said to Peter, Satan wants to try you, and he wants to sift you as wheat. But Jesus went on to say, I... But I have prayed for you, and I have prayed that your faith won't fail. And in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 34, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father. And there he makes intercession, and there he pleads for us. I believe that somebody is here today and you are in need of a word of encouragement. You, you, you have been discouraged, you have been down, you have been depressed, uh, you have allowed the enemy of your soul to beat you up, and the Lord has impressed me this morning, He impressed me throughout the week that there's somebody that is going to be here today that needs a word of encouragement, and the word for today is encouragement, and, and, and the word of God, let the word of God encourage you today. And the word of encouragement is you have help. The word of encouragement is that God is working on your situation today. The Bible says that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are talking to your heavenly Father about you. 
Right now, this very moment, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are talking to the Heavenly Father and you are the subject. They are talking to the Lord. They are talking to the Heavenly Father about you. They are telling the Heavenly Father about what you are going through. They are telling the Heavenly Father what you are facing. They are telling the Heavenly Father how you are feeling today. And they are urging your Heavenly Father to do something and do something just for you. And in response to their pleading, I believe this morning that your Heavenly Father is arranging circumstances. I believe that He is aligning situations. I believe that He is, oh, He is assigning relationships just for you. I believe that I have a word for somebody today, and the word for somebody today is this, and that is doors that have been closed for you in the past are suddenly going to burst wide open. Did you hear me this morning? I said the doors that have been closed for you in the past, I believe the Lord wants to give me an encouragement word for you today and tell you that those doors are not going to be shut anymore but they are going to suddenly burst wide open but not only is the word for somebody today that the doors that have been closed for you in the past will suddenly burst wide open I believe also the word for somebody is today that doors that have been wide open for you in the past but have proven to be ineffective and even detrimental for you will suddenly be slammed in your face you may not get excited about this, but I'm going to try and help you get, it, get excited about it. But this morning, somebody here today, the doors that have been wide open for you in the past, the doors that have been open for you in the past, suddenly are going to slam shut. They are no longer going to be open for you. And you can sit on your pity pot, and you can worry, and you can fret, and you can, and you can throw up your hands. But listen, I'm going to tell you that it's not necessarily a bad thing. Because here's what you need to understand this morning. What keeps you out of one door keeps you available to walk through a better door. Oh, you're not hearing me this morning. I said what keeps you out of one door keeps you available to walk through a better door. As I look back over my life, as I look back over my ministry, it has been the closed doors that have stopped me from walking into some good places so that I would be available to walk through the right door that eventually led me to something great. It was a handful of closed doors that kept me available to walk through this door 12 and a half years ago. Twelve and a half years ago as I was seeking, my wife and I were seeking the Lord's will and seeking the future for our ministry. And there was two or three places, man, they were good places, man. I mean, they would have been great places to go. And it looked like the doors were opening for us and it looked like that was where we were going to go. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, those doors shut. And let me tell you, I will just be honest and open with you and tell you that I sat on my pity pot and I pouted and, 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 I, and, 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 I, and I talked to God about it and I told God I wasn't very happy. But I also realize now today, fast forwarding 12 and a half years ago, if the Lord would have allowed those doors to remain open for me, amen, then I would not have been available when this door opened. And I am so grateful and thankful today, amen, that those doors closed in the past so that this door could open and I would be available to walk through that door. I'm telling you that God is at work in your life. As I look back over my... 43 years of full-time ministry, and by the way, today, this very day, it's my wife and I, it's our 43rd ministry anniversary today. 43 years ago today, we got some Okies with us here this morning, they'll know about this place, little bitty place called Wanoka, Oklahoma. 
My wife and I, 17 years old. I don't recommend that. 17 years old, married four months. We find ourselves candidating for this little church in Winoka, Oklahoma, 17 years old. And I'll never forget, my wife and I, she won't ever forget either. We were sitting at the front of the church on Sunday afternoon knowing that our fate was in the hands of nine little widow ladies. Because after church on Sunday night, those nine little widow ladies were going to vote and tell us whether we could come there and be their pastor or not. Nine little widow ladies, two little kids, my wife and I. And I'll never forget as we sat there in the front of the church and I turned to my wife and I said, well, I said, do you want to come here and be the pastor of this church? She said, no. She looked at me and she said, do you? I said, no. I looked at her and I said, but if they elect us, are we going to come? And we both said, yeah. And sure enough, long story there, I don't take the time to tell you the story, but not that night, but a week later. We were elected as pastors of that little church just 17 years of age. As I, as, I, as I take a peek back over my shoulder this morning, I can see four, maybe five men that God placed in my life at particular times. Even, even a man that was there at, at the time when I took that little church as just a 17-year-old pastor. I can remember men that God put in my life as a young, uh, young minister, as a middle-aged minister. And then even a, 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 a one that God has placed in my life in the latter years of, of my ministry. As I look over my shoulder, I can see. I can see the hand of God. I can see where God put this one there this time and this one there that time. And I can see that God placing in my life at particular times in my life men of God that would help mentor me, men of God that would help shape me, men of God that would help mold me into the sweet, easygoing, laid-back, basset hound that I am today. But not only is God working for us, God is also working in us. God is working in us. Hebrews 13 and 21 says, God will equip you with all you need to do his will. That's one you need to underline in your Bible. God will equip you with all you need to do his will. He will produce in you every good thing that is pleasing to him. God is working in us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, God renews us inwardly every single day. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is we are, we, we are all more concerned with the external than we are the internal. We're, we're all about the outward when we should be all about the inward. The Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance, and, and he does. My wife will often say to me, honey, does my hair look okay today? Uh, honey, how does this dress, how, how does it look on me? And my standard answer is, honey, you look great. Amen. I, I, I'm not as dumb as I look. I'm, I'm smarter than I look. <laughs> my standard answer is, honey, you look great. But I go on to say, but honey, don't, you know, don't worry too much about it anyway because I tell her that most people are not even going to notice and the reason why they're not going to notice is because they're too busy worrying about how they look 
We're all worried about what somebody else is going to think about us. And they're all worried about what people are going to worry about and think about them. And we're worried about what people are going to think how we look. And yet they're all concerned about how they look. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the same verse that says man looks on the outward appearance also says, but God looks on the heart. See, we need to understand that God is more concerned about our character than he is about our circumstances. Now, I didn't say God wasn't concerned about our circumstances, but I'm telling you that he's more concerned about our character than he is about our circumstances. And in fact, he often, he often arranges our circumstances in order to change our character. See, man is all about his happiness. God is all about man's heart. Here's what I've come to know. If we'll get the inside right, the outside will line up also. If we can just get the inside right, the outside will turn out all right as well. And the good news is we don't have to do this on our own. We have help. God is working in us. But not only is God working for us and God working in us, but but listen, God is also working through us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 9 says, For we are laborers together with God. I mean, no, God works through people. He works through people. See, if God wants to touch somebody, he he, he will use human hands to do so. If God wants to give something to somebody, he will use human resources to do so. I just saw 12 men grab their wallets and squeeze real tight right then when I said that. I love the story found in Mark chapter 2 about the paralyzed man that was healed. The Bible says that this man was paralyzed, but four men placed this man on on a stretcher and took him to a house where Jesus was ministering. But when they got to the house where Jesus was ministering, they found they couldn't get the man in the front door, couldn't get him in there to see Jesus because it was full of people. And so the Bible said that they were so determined to get their friend to where Jesus was that they literally uh, hoisted their friend up on top of, of the house and literally uh, took some, t- some of the roof, oh, cut, a, cut a hole in the roof and, and lowered their friend down to where Jesus was on a stretcher. And the Bible says something very interesting there. The Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith. Notice it didn't say that Jesus saw his faith. He didn't say he saw the faith of the paralytic. No, the Bible says that when the Lord, when he saw their faith. And I believe it was because of the faith of these four men that Jesus healed this man. Listen, it's awesome and incredible to have an opportunity this morning to be a co-laborer with the Lord Jesus Christ. God is working through us. He wants to touch lives through us. God wants to work through us today. Just as Jesus took the five loaves... And he took the two fish from the little lad. And then the Bible said after he took the loaves and the fish that he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. See, Jesus took what the little boy had and he took what the little boy was willing to give him. And with the blessing of Jesus on what the little boy had and what the little boy was willing to give Jesus, it was more than enough. And 5,000 hungry families were fed all you can eat and there were 12 baskets full left over. Listen, God is at work today and he wants to work through us. He wants to work through us. He wants to take what we have. And he wants to take what we are willing to give him. And he wants to add his blessing to it. And through what we have and what we're willing to give to the Lord, we are able to become a co-laborer with God. Amen. And meet the need of a hurting world. 
What is Paul telling us today from Romans 8? He's telling us that we have help. God is working for us. He's working in us, and he has a desire to work through us. But not only do we have help, we have hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, we have hope. Verse 28 of Romans 8 says, and we know. Does it say we hope? Does it say we wish? Does it say we think? No. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose for them. This is one of my life verses. There are four things that I'd like to suggest from this verse this morning. First of all, I want you to understand God doesn't cause everything. God doesn't cause everything. He causes some things, but he doesn't cause all things. The devil causes a lot of things. Uh, Our stupidity and unwise choices are the cause of a whole lot of things. Maybe most of the bad things that happen in our life are a direct result of our stupidity and our unwise choice. The fact that we live in a fallen world causes some things. Some things just happen just because we live in a, in a fallen world. This world is not the way God designed it. It's not the way God created it. It is a fallen world. And because it is a fallen world, there are things that happen uh, today that was not God's plan and God, not God's will. They happen because of the fallen world that we live in. And then other people, uh, combined with the domino effect, causes some things. That's why we need to be very, very careful what we do and what we don't do because we need to understand that not only will it affect us, but it will affect those that are around us. It will affect those that are closest to us. And not only will it affect them, but then it will affect, affect the ones that we touch, but then the ones that they touch will be affected as well. Yes. So often people combined with the domino effect causes some things. Although God doesn't cause everything, he still uses Amen. everything. He uses the good, he uses the bad, and he uses the ugly. The second thing I want to call your attention to in this verse is not everything is good. In fact, it's kind of hard to really know if something's good or something's bad. Not everything is black or white. Everything is not as it appears on the surface. Just, for instance, a promotion at work may appear on the surface to be good. A promotion, I got a title, I got more money, got some prestige. On the surface it appears to be good, but, but if it moves you away from your family and it moves you away from a strong church, is it really good? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not answering the questions I'm asking them this morning. If it takes you away from your family and your church because of added hours, now you have to work more hours and you have to work overtime and now you have to work weekends and you can no longer come to church anymore because now you are working on weekends because you got the promotion and now you've got stress that you didn't have have before and because of the stress now you've become a lousy husband and an absent father. I ask you, is it really good? It looks good on the surface. It looks good on paper. But what we need to understand is that more money doesn't always equal good when you figure what it will actually cost you to get more money. 
On the other hand, some of the things that we call bad may not be bad at all uh, if they cause us to seek God or they give us a wake-up call with our family. So it's a little hard to discern whether something is good or whether something is bad. But whether it is good or whether it is bad, God is still going to use it in our life. No matter who calls it, no matter who is at fault, God is still going to use it. The next thing I want us to notice here is that God gets good out of everything. He gets good out of everything's not good, but he gets good out of everything. Verse 28 says that God causes everything to work together. Say work together. God causes everything to work together for the good. God doesn't cause everything, and everything isn't good or even isn't bad in and of itself, but God uses everything that happens to us to work together. And the good and the bad and the ugly that happens to us, all of it, all together, with God's blessings on it eventually and in God's time, turns out for our good and His glory. I love to illustrate this thought like this. It's like baking a chocolate cake. How many like chocolate cake? Wow, chocolate cake. But when you think about the ingredients in a chocolate cake, there's not one single ingredient in a chocolate cake that tastes good in and of itself. Think about it. How many of you have ever made a chocolate cake? I'm not talking about Betty Crocker that you get off the shelf and you open the packet. No, I'm talking about from scratch. How many of you have ever done it? So you know what the ingredients of a chocolate cake are, right? Okay, first of all, you've got to have some flour. How many of you have ever... Woke up in the morning with just a real craving for a bowl of flour. Man, I just, mm-mm, I just ha- wish I had me a bowl of flour. Flour in and of itself doesn't taste good, does it? And then you're going to have to have some raw eggs, right? You've got to have some raw eggs. Now, I'll take my eggs, you know, over easy, please, or scrambled, you know, but raw. I mean, you know, if you're Rocky Balboa, you might like, you know, raw eggs, but. And the young people said, who's Rocky Balboa? Y'all know who Rocky Balboa is? You do? Okay. All right. You hadn't lived if you hadn't seen Rocky. Okay. Go, Adrian. Oh, I'm sorry. Raw eggs. Yuck. What else you got to have to bake a chocolate cake? Well, you got to have some baking powder, right? Does that sound tasty, baking powder? Got to have some butter, right? How many would just like to have a big old mouthful of butter right now? Man, wouldn't you, don't you just crave a big old mouthful of butter? Now, if you're a little bitty kid, you might like a little, little bit of butter. But, you know, for most of us, butter, nah. I mean, you know, give it on my toast, you know, or whatever. But on my baked potato, yeah, yeah, yeah. But butter by itself. Got to have some salt, don't you? I, I, I use too much salt. My wife tells me all the time, you use too much salt. But, you know, I, you know, I put it on my healthy French fries and stuff like that, man. I, you know, but, but I never have opened up the, the, the salt shaker and just, you know, just chug a lot. Nah, salt by itself not not, not that good. What else you got to have to make a chocolate cake? Oh, you got to have some cocoa, right? Cocoa. We snort some coke, right? No, 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 no. I didn't say that. No, cocoa. Cocoa, yeah. Now, now, you young ones don't know anything about it, but some of us can remember back before Nestle's quick, all right? Do you remember back when your grandma made uh, homemade cocoa? Yeah, yeah, she made homo, homemade cocoa, and it was good, man. I mean, it was great, and, and, and I love it. But, man, cocoa in and of itself, that's terrible, ain't it? It's bitter, right? Bitter. Terrible. What else goes in that? Huh? 
Oh, we got to have some sugar. Okay, sugar. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Well, you know, you know, it's pretty good in a lot of things, but in and of itself, not that good. I remember as I was a little bitty boy, I'd always walk through the kitchen. And I would move up my finger really good and set it, put it down in the sugar bowl. Don't you wish you were at my house eating when I was a little boy? <laughs> Sugar's good in stuff, but in and of itself, nobody has a craving for sugar. That's about it, isn't it? Huh? Oil. Oh, yeah, you got to have some oil. Got to have a little bit of oil in there, right? Yeah, you got But nobody wants it. Listen, there's not, not one single ingredient uh, in a chocolate cake is in, good in and of itself. And let me tell you that you can take all of these ingredients and you can put them all together in the right proportion. You can put them all in a big old mixing bowl and you can mix them all up. And then when you get it all mixed up, then you can pour it out into a, into a baking pan and you can take the baking pan over to the, to, to the oven and you can put, pop them in the oven and turn the oven on for about 350 degrees, maybe for about 25 minutes or so. And after that comes out and you pull it out of the heat, guess what you have? You got chocolate cake. And let me tell you that besides Mexican food, hardly anything in the world tastes any better than chocolate cake. But in and of itself, there's not one key ingredient that tastes good. And that's the way it is with our life. The Lord takes this ingredient and He takes this situation and He takes that relationship and He takes that cir- circumstance and He takes this and that and something else and He takes the good and He takes the bad and He takes the ugly and He puts it all together and He mixes it all together. And when He gets it all mixed together, He puts it into His oven and He turns the heat on in our life. But then when God is through with the heat, He pulls us out and voila, it's chocolate cake. God calls us all things to work together. He uses every ingredient in our life. But when he's done with it, it's awesome, it's incredible. God is working in our life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We have hope. Things might look bleak for you right now. You might not have a very good taste in your mouth right now. You know, what's going on in your life may taste like a mouthful of butter right now. It may not be very tasty. It may not taste very good what's happening in your life right now. But oh, oh, listen to me. Don't despair. Don't despair. Don't throw in the towel. Oh, hang on to hope. God isn't finished with the process yet. I don't know where God is in the, in the process, but he's still in the mix of the process. God's not finished with the process yet. Process yet. But even though he's not finished with the process, he, oh, he, he is at work. We need to understand today. God is at work. Amen. Notice one more thing here. The promise is conditional. The promise is conditional. Paul doesn't say that God causes all things to work together for the good of everybody. No. No. He places conditions on the promise. And the first condition is you must love God. All things don't work together for good for everybody. All things work together for good to them that love God. This promise is exclusive for saints and not for sinners. To them that love God, Paul writes. The second condition is that we must, we must be all about God's purpose for our life. If you're living for a selfish purpose, if your life is all wrapped up in you and yours, don't quote this verse and expect it to work for you because it's not going to work. Only those saints, amen, who are living for God's purpose for them can expect the verse to work in their life. Somebody needs to get a hold of this word today. I believe there is an encouraging word for somebody. And that is we have help and we have hope. But best of all, number three, we have him. We have him. First of all, we have his presence. I'm not going to take the time to read, but verses 35, verses 38 and 39 tells us that we have his presence. Whether we see him or not, whether we feel him or not. 
we have his presence. How many remember a man in the Bible by the name of Joseph? Remember, Joseph had this dream, and in this dream, he saw himself as a ruler. He saw himself as the number one guy. He saw himself as the big cheese. He saw himself uh, as the ruler, and he saw even his family and his friends and those that are around him bowing down to him. And that was great that he had the dream, but he made the mistake of sharing his dream. And he shared it with his brothers. And little brother don't need to share his dreams with big brother. Especially when big brother's going to be bowing down to little brother. And so the big bro- the brothers, Joseph's brothers, got jealous of Joseph. And the Bible says that they threw him into a pit. Threw Joseph into a pit. And they're wondering, trying to figure out what they're going to do next. But they throw him in a pit, wondering and thinking, what are we going to do uh, with, with, with Joseph? But the Bible says that in the pit, the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. He's in the pit, but the Lord is with him in the pit. The Bible says that later they sold him as a slave. They sold Joseph as a slave, but the Bible uses the same phrase again. And it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. He's a slave. He's a slave, and yet the Lord is with him. And then the Bible says that they, that they threw Joseph into prison. But there again it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Sometimes we try to discern the will of God as to, you know, how we feel or how things, are, the circumstances of the situations are in our life. You know, when things are going good and things are going well for our life, we think that we're in the will of God. And then when things turn around or go south for us, we think we're out of the will of God. Well, maybe you are or maybe you're not. I'm just here to tell you this morning that we have God and we have His presence. And whether or not you're in the pit or whether you are in the prison, amen, or wherever that you are this morning, I'm telling you that we, that we, we have the presence presence of the Lord and that the Lord is with us. Wherever we are, whatever we're going through, no matter the circumstances that are stacked against us, we have Him and we have His presence. He's right there with us. Not only do we have His presence, we also have His power. We have His power. Verse 37, Paul writes and he says, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I think that's a very interesting phrase there, more than conquerors. Notice Paul didn't say we're conquerors. Paul said we are more than conquerors. What in the world is more? What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Who in the world is more than a conqueror? Well, I like to illustrate it this way. Think about a 210, 15, 20-pound heavyweight professional boxer. Think about him as he spends months in grueling preparation and training for the big fight coming up. He runs hundreds and hundreds of miles. He jumps rope for hour after hour after hour. He lifts weights and lifts weights. He does thousands and thousands of push-ups. He hits the punching bag over and over and over again. He spars several opponents and finally, finally the day comes and finally he steps into the ring and finally he fights 15 grueling rounds and he endures the pounding of his opponent and he stands in the ring at the end of bloody mess. The ring announcer announces that he is the winner. His hand is lifted high as a champion. A victor's belt is placed around his waist. And a million dollar check 
is placed in his hand. He is truly a conqueror. So what is more than a conqueror? I'll tell you what more than a conqueror is. More than a conqueror is that 120-pound little wife of his. She hasn't run one mile. She hasn't sparred one partner. She hasn't taken one punch. She hasn't done one push-up. She hasn't bled one drop of blood. But when he is announced as the conqueror, she gets up out of her seat and she walks up beside him and she stands by her man. And when they take that million dollar check and put it in his hand, she holds out her hand and he takes the million dollar check that he has earned and he has fought for and he puts it in her hand. And she is more than a conqueror. I tell you that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ fought the greatest battle that has ever been bought on Golgotha's Calvary's Hill. And He has already won the battle. And, the, and we are the victors and we are winners. But not only are we conquerors today, but we are more than conquerors because the battle has already been fought. The victory has already been won. Amen. Jesus has fought our battle for us. He's the victor. He's the conqueror. But we are more than conquerors because it's through His power. It's through His power that we conquer. Conquer. Give him a shout of praise in his house today. God has instructed me today to lift you up and give you an encouraging word. God has laid upon my heart the fact that somebody is here, maybe several somebody's here today, and you are discouraged and you are despondent and you are down and you don't know what, what you're going to do next and you don't know which way is up and you don't know what to do, but God has given me an encouraging word today and the word of the Lord is today that God is here today. He's with you. He wants to help you. Oh, He wants to give you hope this morning and most of all, we have His presence. We have Him. We have Him. We have His presence and we have His power. Be encouraged today. God is at work. And he's working in behalf of you today. Hallelujah. If we could get the singers back in place this morning, musicians, please. Just a moment, we're going to move into water baptism. So if you're going to be baptized in water, please go through this door over here right now, very quickly and very quietly. Also, if you're helping in baptism, would you go also? And then when you're ready, open that door, and we'll probably be ready for you as well. All right, back here this morning. Our takeaway for today, we're not alone in our struggle. You're not alone in your struggle. If you're alone in your struggle, it's your own fault. It's your own choice. We're not alone in the struggle. We don't have to do it on our own and by ourselves. Our takeaway for today, we are not alone in our struggle. Our takeaway today is we have God's presence to comfort us. God's presence. God wants to, wants to put His arms around you today. He wants to hold you today. He wants you to pull you close to Him today. Oh, you have His presence to comfort you today. And finally, our takeaway for today is we have God's power. We have God's power to help us conquer. We have God's power. God is at work today. He's at work today. He's at work in your life. We have His power to help us conquer. Would you stand with me this morning? All over this room, everyone standing, please.
As your heads are bowed, as your eyes are closed all over this room this morning, I wonder how many today would lift a hand, and by lifting a hand, you are saying, Pastor, this word is for me this morning. I needed this word this morning. I needed a word of encouragement today, and this word is for me today, and I'll receive this word today. Can I see your hand all over this room? Hands being lifted everywhere. Let me tell you that it's not an accident that you're here today. It's not an accident that you're here, and I'm preaching this message today. You're here today by divine appointment. You're here today because God doesn't love crowds. He loves you. In fact, it's interesting. If you'll read the word of God, Jesus was always walking away from the crowd and going home with one person. And the disciples didn't like it because they liked the crowd. But you read it, you'll find that everywhere Jesus went, he had a crowd, but he'd leave the crowd and he'd either go up the mountain by himself or go in the wilderness by himself or he'd say, send the multitude away. Jesus isn't about crowds, he's about people. And you're not lost in this crowd this morning. He knew you'd be here and because he knew you'd be here, he had a word specifically just for you. Be encouraged today. Be encouraged today. That's how important you are. My Bible tells me that God God is so personal with us that He even knows how many hairs on top of our head. A couple of you out there didn't have to count very high. He's a personal God. He's a personal God. He loves you. He cares for you. And He's working. Yeah, He wants you to work for Him, but He's working for you. He's working on your behalf. Even this very moment, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are telling, telling the Heavenly Father about you and about your circumstance, about your situation. And they are, they are making intercession. They are pleading with the Heavenly Father. They are begging the Heavenly Father to do something for you and for your situation and your circumstance. God, I just lift up each one this morning that lifted a hand today. Lord, this represents hurts today. It represents uh, pain today. It, it represents struggle It represents heartache. It represents lack. Oh God, I pray, Lord, that you will comfort them with your presence today. And I pray that you'll provide for them with your power. Father, in Jesus' name.